Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a curation of the top five podcasts every Sunday? Fortunately, uh, there is. If you want the top five podcast episodes from American Songwriters Network delivered to your inbox every Sunday, then you should subscribe to the Suncast newsletter by visiting americansongwriter.com slash suncast. Actually, this sounds like a great thing because I'm always looking for new shows, new 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 episodes, and um, you know sometimes I sometimes I end up not listening to anything because I don't know what to listen to. Don't let that be you, Suncast. Come on, this this actually sounds like a great thing. The Zach Kuhn Show. Okay, here we go. Episode eighty-seven. Marshall Sandman on the podcast, the managing partner of Animal Capital which, if you're unfamiliar, is one of the most talked-about firms today, with uh, uh, put together with some of the biggest TikTok influencers on the planet, Josh Richards, Noah Beck, and Griffin Johnson, along with super brilliant mega-manager Michael Gruen. And uh, these guys are investing in some of the hippest companies today. They're also trying to bring back the woolly mammoth, which I think is a is a noble cause. We're going to talk all about it. I, I love talking with Marshall, man. Really fun. Lots of good energy. Super smart. Super sharp. Really great. Really great conversation here. I don't want to give anything away. Let's just get into this. Here we go. Episode 86, Marshall Sandman. Let's dive in. So I'm trying to understand something here with a, um, with a specific company. There's a great video of you in LA with the mayor of LA and some of the the uh, you know your partners Josh and Griffin and the, Noah uh, the, the, the mayor of Miami yeah uh, what I said LA Miami yes sorry the mayor of Miami and um and first of all I think he cut you off actually did he cut you off in that video he cut you off a little bit right it was it's actually it was actually a funny video because they they hacked like a 25 minute conversation into like six or seven minutes and he was actually cutting off Michael grew in my business partner who was off camera. He was saying like, you're not on camera. You can't talk. But you said in that part of the animal capital mission statement, impact investing, investing in companies that make lives better and or are for fun. So what is Colossal Bio? Where does that fit into that category? That's a great question. So when you talk about making people's lives better, that, that's the greatest scale of making people's lives better. We're, we are literally not, we're not only looking to literally turn back time in terms of what animals are on the planet, but the, the environmental impact of a woolly mammoth on planet Earth is not, is not dissimilar in terms of magnitude of impact um, as it relates to like a bee. And I'm in the, coming from someone that it, we, while we're sitting on this podcast, I am allergic to bees and this is how far away I keep an EpiPen for me at all times. Um, but you know, the, the, the woolly mammoth on Earth um, has a, uh, a lot to do with the speed at which uh, glaciers have been melting. And I know that sounds very silly, um, but the different non-mammal species and insects that their ecosystem supports and that their dung supports um, and that their offspring support in, uh, in Arctic circles, both in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere uh, for tens of thousands of years um, supported life uh, that has been you know, the reason that Earth has been inhabitable for as long as it's been inhabitable. So um, that said, bringing back the woolly mammoth is a lot like, and this is, might be a dumb, a dumb simile, um, but it's a lot like the, the you know, astronauts going to the moon in the 60s. People always say that that's, that, um, 
we went to the moon in the 60s with less uh less technology than the original flip phone so no, that's a no text messaging no uh no text messaging no caller id cell phone with technology that was somewhat hacked together to make something that was functional where those astronauts only went to the moon landed but got back in that spaceship and, and uh, safely got back to, to earth um we know that we can do it uh and I, I say we because i'm very very involved with the day-to-day -day sort of you know operational strategy and, and, and fundraising you know plans around that business um we know that we can do it the science that we're going to make more efficient along the way is going to have knock-on effects in other industries that's going to make this a multi-billion dollar business so I, I genuinely believe we're not only making people's lives better but i'm hoping to make my my uh lps a lot of money how do you become an expert in this? Do you, are you just sitting down with the scientists or are you trusting people who are experts and are you taking their word for it? Like how, how do you, how are you confident that like this is actually going to happen and this was the right company to do it? Um, I am trust, I'm trusting experts. I'm trusting experts. I mean, it's a really good question. The, the reality is of all these things is I'm ne I'm never going to understand exactly what's going on in the lab, right? I can understand the revenue model. I can understand the, the path to that monetization model. I can understand the the why they're doing and the maybe even the what they're doing. I'm probably not going to get to the how they're doing it. Um, but the, the the experts that launched this business, the uh, on the operational side, the CEO Ben Lamb is this is his sixth business. Four of his five first businesses had uh, you know significant eight and nine digit exits. Um, and for the lead scientist George Church, who's the world leading geneticist, he's had multiple nine digit exits. Um, and so talking to people that have backed ben and back george before and understand the science and they're kind of one step closer between me and that um has been really really helpful because for me i think that we can probably agree uh that's not my area of expertise this is like the animal capital though i think the logo is a tiger or a lion what what's the logo we might have to change it to a it's a it's right? a it, it's a that's a great question it's a uh, it's a red panda it's a red panda um, that's what it is yeah, it's a red panda, and there and there there will be um, there will be red panda merch by the end of the year for sure. Uh, that said, I think that for the second fund, whenever the second fund comes along and we're raising money again, we'll probably rebrand to the Boy Mammoth, and that's a, that's an active and ongoing conversation. There you have it. So okay, wait. So a, a company like Noops, for example, plant based pudding. Sure. Great founder story. How do you guys get involved in a company like that? Do they send a bunch of pudding to the house and are you sampling puddings and you go, this pudding's amazing and the company's great? Like, how do you guys get involved in a company like Noops? It, you know what's so crazy is you're, you're talking to me about this. And obviously, I not only invested in Noops, but I interacted with the founders today. I never saw this announcement in TechCrunch. I just Googled it. This is great. So I post this, post this somewhere. Um, that's a really interesting one. That one was sent to us. Uh, by another VC that led that deal, Lara Hippo, because we work with um, a couple of the most important parent creators in the world. They're really focused on better for you, better for your family. Sean Johnson, the former Olympian, and Andrew East, the former NFL player. And so people aren't really just looking to us for access to Gen Z. They're looking to act, you know, for access to millennials. Um, and, and Andrew and Sean are a good, good view into that. And, and honestly, Andrew and Sean have become very, very close friends and, and feel like family to me at this point, uh, especially the amount that we've been talking. Um, so Lara Hippo reached out, they asked us just to try the product. And then I got on the phone with the founder and not only a great founder story and someone that has bootstrapped another business into success. I mean, I mean, truly like, pardon my language, like fucking forced something to work. Um, but his brother-in-law is my old boss from Warner Media. 
Wow. And so no it was way. someone I was able to, so I was able to do a pretty, pretty close to the close to the chest family, uh, family reference check. Wow. So do they send the pudding and is, is the pudding really good? Like I, I, I really want to try this. It's hard to order though. It, it's, it's, it's kind of local, right? It's relatively local. We're making a lot of progress in the retail. We don't have a big, we don't have a big DTC business. It's hard to do. It's hard to ship cold packaged products and make margin on them. Um, it's just not like a, like an excellent business model for the most part. We have other businesses. Um, that can because the shelf life's a little bit longer. Uh, dough, the vegan cookie dough we're invested in, is one of those that does a great DTC business. You guys have a ramen company um, also, right? I ate that ramen for dinner last night. You mean ramen? I ate that on, on my way out to a comedy show. It was freaking delicious. You know, I just ordered um, some because I was going into the portfolio and um and I and I came across that company. I thought the ramen looked incredible, so I ordered a package last night actually. Oh, I think you're really gonna enjoy it. And listen, for for 300 calories and I think only a dozen net carbs. Um, it's, uh, is the best ramen product on the market. How do you say, uh, Emi, is that it? Emi ramen? Emi. Emi. Okay. Everybody listening. Emi Rami. I M M I. So walk me through this, you know, when you started working with the boys and with animal capital and maybe still you guys were on founders calls like eight, 10 hours a day constantly. What's the dynamic of these calls? Are you the one kind of leading the conversations or does Josh lead? Is there so many sort of kicks things off do you ask certain questions does josh ask or does griffin ask something else like what's the dynamic on these conversations with founders it's a really good question so it's all different every i mean every conversation is different and, and certainly you know if you look at our, our either our crunch you know if you sort of cross-reference our, our crunch base page with you know, the tech crunch articles or the vanity fair stuff or bloomberg or whatever we've you know, we've sort of talked about publicly um you can see that there's different things that each of us is probably going to be more of an expert in uh, you know, there's things that are you know, more outdoorsy. Um, you know, we just looked at a, a, I don't know if we're going to invest on, but we looked at a, a sort of a new age version of a GoPro. I don't, I don't know that it's going to be a fit for us, but Griffin's out there every freaking day, fishing in the middle of the night, fishing first thing in the morning, doing extreme sports, picking up crocodiles. And he's leading the call. I mean, he's talking about the price points and the margins and where you know, they're planning on selling into retail because he understands some of those things better than I do. Obviously, there's diligence that needs to be done that you know, it's not quarter of their day and they're still doing regular brand deals and they're still sort of um, you know, managing their, their audience and making sure that their audience feels connected to them. But, we, but um, depending on what we're talking about, you know, I often defer to them and, and let them sort of do their thing. How do you suss out? I think I've heard you say that if a company is coming to you and if all they want is the boys to help market, that there's, a, you know, there's probably a deeper problem if you know, the only thing that's not working is the marketing. How do you suss out if someone is coming to Animal Capital for the right reasons, or if they're going to be the right fit, or if they're going to be a company that you guys are going to be able to get behind and and really provide value to? Um, I, I I continue to readdress my answer to that question every day, uh, and if I, and if I didn't, I would not be very good at my job. Um, I, I mean, I think I'm a super sleuth for it. You know, people, you know, I, there's certain business lines that you know, especially in the creator economy where it's completely obvious to me that that's what's going on. Um, you know, Why, what makes it obvious? Fans, is, does everything just suck and you go, and they're just like, if only we could market this one bad product and you go, well, the product, like, like, like what, what's obvious about it? it it's, it's, it's typically that they're, they're walking me through, they're walking me through the business model and they're saying, all we need to do is pour gas on the fire. And, and, it's, it's, and, and sometimes, and sometimes it's, it's true. And sometimes like you have to, see through it because these are founders that are really technical or they're engineers or they're really good biz dev people, but they haven't 
don't you know they haven't worked with like an agency before and obviously we're not even close to an agency but i am in some you know some ways the gatekeepers to to josh griffin noah or sean and andrew and some of the other celebrities that we that we work with um and for you know for me i you know the, the question is okay like well you know josh griffin noah you know they and i'm making these numbers up if doing what you want them to do costs a quarter million dollars um why wouldn't you go try this with someone that costs twenty five hundred dollars that you know that I know that you have and see if it works on this micro scale before coming to us because the the you know the other problem with that is not only are they not coming to us to you know to pay the guys you know what their whatever their rate card is they're com they're coming asking for money and they're asking for free service and so um, every once in a while every once in a while a business really is spectacular Saturn is one of those it's a high school social media platform that we're that we invested in several months ago. And really what they needed was scale. Um, they really needed scale of audience and to do a little bit of cover fire, but they were doing all the other work the right way. And so it's just about hearing the approach and the how and the why. Um, and, and you want to be on the phone with founders that not, you know, they know the answers to most questions. And when they don't know the answers to some questions, they let you know that they don't know, because if they act like they know everything, then that's a gigantic red flag. So what are the key questions that you like to ask that founders? I mean, you've been doing this a long time. Are, you know, any go-tos or any standards that you always like to ask, or is it, is it kind of a vibe thing? You just seeing if someone seems knowledgeable and smart in the space and it's going to hustle. It totally depends. Um, you know, the, for me, you know, some of the easy things that you, that you want to see, but aren't necessary. Like, have you done this before? Like, yes, maybe they haven't run this business before, but have you, have you got, have you taken a business from zero to one? Um, that ability is, I mean, it, if you just eliminate people that haven't done that, um, you, you're eliminating a lot of people, but that, that said, then you're not giving an opportunity to people that haven't done it. Right. Um, but, the, but for us, you know, we are there to be, to be sometimes be that, that lighter fluid in a bunch of different ways. And so I, I, I do have the discretion to not invest in someone that hasn't done it before. Um, you know, I, I often am asking you what exactly is their plan towards product market fit and who are the people that are around them that have advised them that this is the right path for them. And you know, what ways do they take advice and are they willing to pivot? Because if you're not willing to pivot, you're probably not going to succeed. And so, yes, like there's, there's questions about the product and about the addressable market and about the revenue model. But for me, it's 97% founders and then you're betting on them to figure it out. You, you, want, you want to feel like you're, you're going to go to war with them. And so you kind of want to feel like they're going to be your friends. And so you know, there's, there's businesses like Breaker that we invested in actually before the fund. Um, which is a, a music platform backed by Anderson Horowitz and Slow Ventures. And I'm basically best friends with the founder now. And so we talk every two weeks. We really get into it with each other. We've met you know, each other's family and shit, but it's made us better at our jobs because it raises the, the bar on accountability. And I want that same relationship with all my founders as best I can. Yeah, fair enough. Are you still battling this kind of stigma that, you know, influencers shouldn't be taken seriously or who are, you know, who are they to do this? Or at this point, are people kind of getting on board and, and getting what's happening here? It's over. That's in the past. hundred percent. I mean, I, I think that that was all I was battling at the front end. Um, and it was a big uphill battle. Like, like, why are these people that deserve carry in your fund? Why not just pay them cash? The equities worth so much more. And then as we started, you know, Andreessen and Slow Ventures and, and some, you know, and uh, Lara Hippo and some of these places that we love working with are out there in market announcing, we are raising creator economy funds. We are trying to work with creators. Like we're trying to put our hands on this and that. And, you know, it, it's, um, I don't know, whatever 
uh, something that Warren Buffett says is that, that I don't, can't remember exactly what the quote is, but it's basically that the, the, the first people to something, the first people to, to a, you know, a new, a new um, sort of a new venture. Um, Everyone else a, you know, copies them. Chance at success. The, 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 and, 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 then, and then there's the copycats and the copycats have a huge chance to be successful. These are very, very, very smart people. The question is, is, you know, am I going to be able to keep a little bit of distance between myself and the rest of the pack? And I, I hope the answer to that question is yes, but I fully, you know, I fully expect that that takes me surrounding myself with people much smarter than me. Fair enough. Okay. Wait, so going back for a minute for how you got involved with these guys, let's start with like a trip to Japan, right? And there's like a crazy chain of events here. What's the, give us the short version for people who don't know. How, how'd you get involved with the fund and how'd you meet Michael and the boys and how did, how did it all come together? Yeah, the, the, the short version. So I quit my job going into COVID. I was working at Warner Media doing venture. Um, there had been a lot of turnover at Warner Media really around the AT&T acquisition. And I, I just wanted to do something different. So I was actually focused on raising money for some charities. And a, a guy that I met in Japan, which is its own tangential story, his um, significant other was the biggest supermodel in Japan and had a decent amount of cash in the bank, had a bunch of brands talking to her, had a bunch of brands you know, offering to give her equity and things. And she didn't really have a framework for doing that. Um, and so her, her, uh, her boyfriend you know, called and said, hey, can you help, can you help um, you know, Sumi work, you know, kind of work out a plan here? And so what we, we started working together on a kind of a day-to-day basis, building the real core business of, of, of you know, what it means to be in the business with Sumi Matsubara. And it was moderately successful. Um, you know, it was something that people had explored and, and talent ventures is not a new thing, but this model of talent ventures of aligning a venture capitalist directly with an individual piece of talent was new. Um, and so her boyfriend, Ken, who's my buddy, um, ended up starting a business during COVID. Similar happenstance was you know, transitioning careers and you know, found some good backers and one of his backers had a relationship with these guys in a sway house. And so over, I think cocktails, they were discussing what I do. And this guy, Josh Buckley from Lux Capital was like, Ken, you got to call these sway house boys. You need to get them on the phone. And the next day we were on the phone. Um, so I mean, it really, really was a, you know, yes, a good amount of hard work, but just as much, if not more luck. How did you win? Cause when you officially signed the paperwork to partner with them, I think you were like, maybe I should wait a week because I'll fly out and actually meet them. Like, I don't think you had met them when you would actually sign the paperwork, if I'm not mistaken. How did you win the trust from them over Zoom? Was it just lots of communication? And uh, like, like why, why do you think they trusted you and they never even met you? I think it's, I think, I think that's a, a it, I think that's like a, a $20 million question. Um, Is that the Marshall Sandman effect? Is that the, uh, do you have that effect on people? Uh, I would, I wouldn't say that, but I, but I do think that these are, you know, young people that are really, really smart. And, you know, similarly to our founders, they know when to say that they don't know something. And I was, you know, really, really impressed with, you know, the way that they were approaching these conversations and really willing to, you know, dig, you know, kind of dig their hands into something that you know, they didn't understand and wanted to get to know and, you know, become experts on. And for me, it was easy. I, I, I just continued to make decisions that were in their best interest. Um, I mean, so what does that mean? Like, what were those, months, what were those early decisions not to cut you off, but like, like, what were you doing early on? Were you actually reaching out to founders and taking meetings and looking to make early investments? Yes. I and mean, we, we were doing, we were truly doing a, you know, anywhere between 10 and like 16 or 18 founder calls a day, trying to get through the entire backlog of people trying to do deals with them that had any equity component. 
And there were a lot of times where there was a cash component. Um, and I just said, no, no, I said, no, like, let's focus on the equity or like you, it's like y'all's cash. Like we'll get to a place where it makes sense for me to take money here. And I, I didn't make until from, you know, March, you know, March, 2020, when I was focused on sort of like philanthropy to the summer, when I started working with them until eight weeks ago, when the fund, when I closed the fund, um, I didn't take any money. Um, I was operating out of savings and with some credit card debt. Um, that's kind and, of the rich climbing the thing, method, right? You, you just keep making decisions over and over and over and over and over again that benefit, that benefit the talent. Um, until there's an you know, until there's an opportunity that you've proven yourself and it makes sense for you to be part of that you know you know part of that cash or that equity or whatever it is and and for me like that came you know that came from the fund um and you know honestly anytime someone compares me to rich Kleiman, i take it as a, a monster compliment and he is definitively uh you know my, my biggest role model in the space and i i think that the way that he views the business world and he views you know katie's life cycle on the court and off the court um and what his impact can be to some of these businesses that they invest in and some of the content they put around. Like it is a, a model that we, you know, that we don't only try to replicate, but we try to, you know, fine tune for our own purposes. So um, as long, as long as I, I uh, continue to hear that, that comparison, because a couple of people have made it, it means that something is going okay. Something is working out. So Michael Gruen, who I've never met, but I've kind of followed a little bit, obviously very smart, but you're like a decade older than him. You seem very confident. You just seem like you're secure in who you are. But at any point, do you go, who is this 22-year-old kid to uh, to team up with or to partner with? Or is he just that smart that's like, it? I mean, of course it doesn't matter. We've kind of learned that from the TikTok generation, that age doesn't matter. But at any point, you know, early on, did you question him? Or like, how did he win you over? First of all, he's a, he's a freaking genius. So is, just, is he the smartest really, guy on the planet? Is he the smartest guy in the world? Um, I mean, I, I haven't met everyone on the planet, but he's in the you know top five smartest people I've ever met. But um, at first, did you he, write him off like within the first thirty seconds, let's say, and then you, he won you over? But did you write him off at first? No, I mean the the the, re, the reality is that that Michael created so much of what the Sway House is, and he created Talent X, and he got these kids. He's got you know what you know, he turned kids into adults into entrepreneurs. Um, and so it it doesn't it it wouldn't even matter what I thought on day one, but I I walked into the room knowing like, like holy Who shit, like this, this person is, yeah, like this person is to be taken seriously because everyone around us is taking him seriously. Um, and, and it and you know there's not really a promise or a commitment to you know a founder or to a celebrity or to someone fucking like lunatic level famous that Michael's not able to. Hey, I mean I've seen him get on the phone with you know, Anthony Scaramucci and connect Anthony to someone that Anthony didn't know. Like, Hey, like, no, I, like, I got you. Like you want to talk to the founder of Android or, or Netflix? Like I, I got it. No problem. Done. Um, and, and so you, yeah, you mean the people that, the people that wrote off Michael probably lost a lot of money or missed out an opportunity to make a lot of money. Is there something that you both uh, learn from each other? Like, is there something that you get from him and something that he gets watching you? You know, how, how's the relationship work? Yeah, I think ultimately, like the number one thing when it comes to business, and obviously we're very close friends now, but the um, the biggest day to day is like I have a super level head. Um, like I, I think I mean I think I have a super level head, uh, and Michael doesn't, but that's okay. Um, but Michael is a spectacular closer. I mean, he really, really is. Like he's able to identify what the pain points are for other people and lead things to getting done. 
um, which is awesome. And, and I think that, you know, I've, I think I've always been fine, but I think that he's taken me from fine to, you know, good. Um, and so I think there continues to be a lot that we can learn from each other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you see a lot of influencers blow up and when they're asked how they did it, a lot of times they, they actually say, I have no idea. Uh, they're like, I don't know why this happened. It seems like Josh and Griffin and Noah are pretty aware. I know Josh talks about goal setting and um, how hard he worked to get followers. But when they're consulting with founders, I mean, like these guys are the best, right? Like when it comes to coming up with a brand or coming up with a marketing strategy, do they know it just because they've been doing it for so many years and they've been so successful at it? Like, how are these guys just, they're the best at this, right? I mean, I certainly think they're the best. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty biased. Um, I, you know, for, for me, for them, um, there, there's a, a lot that goes into it. And it's a lot more thoughtful, I think, than, than it looks. And, you know, last night I had the opportunity to go to a comedy club um, in, in Brooklyn and see my friend Sarah Coffey, who, like, I mean, just my college friend, like regular, I mean, kind of you know, re- regular friendship, um, not someone that I met through, through work. She blew up on TikTok during COVID. Um, she was making singing videos. She was making spoof videos. And it was a lot of the same thing over and over again, but it really, it built into hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers and then she got some of her compatriots who also had moments during covid and she sold out like i think it's called um the bell house in brooklyn and she sold out like a 400 person room and these people came up there and they did stand up and it was their foray into a different vertical where you know that that's sort of how do we get into live events and how do we put tent poles under our business of this last and for some of them that will be a tent pole and, and stand-up comedy for certain ones of the folks that i saw last night is really real and prevalent. I think there's like a real, a real talent there. Um, I think Sarah's one of them. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I think she was wonderful, but that's exactly the way that we think about it. Like, I think that what I saw last night, a, a microcosm or even a macrocosm of what it means to be a, a social media star and really think about diversifying your business while maintaining your base and thinking about the people that made you who you are and, and give you an opportunity to, to grow and to monetize so that it's something you can do for a longer term. Um, the question is, is, is you know, what happens if that doesn't work and do you have a backup plan and how real is your backup plan? And it, because sometimes you need to not have a backup plan, right? In order to succeed, you got to go all the way in and, and rip out the security blanket and the net and all that. So, um, you know, I, we view our business and the business of Josh Griffin and know the same way. Um, we, we're here to make the fans have fun and to make their lives better and enjoyable and to provide a little bit of an escape and a connection. Uh, and the, and the way to do that is to continue to sort of service them and make sure that they're, they're feeling the love. And so when we make transitions and, you know, and Josh transitions into FinTech or transitions into a, you know, a CPG thing or into the BFFs podcast, it's how does that, how is that Venn diagram sort of shaping up? But when he gets on a call with founders, and he goes over marketing plans and branding and the look and feel of things. Is it just going, you know, is it just kind of what connects with him and he's able to speak a little bit for his generation or like, how is he an expert at these things? It's kind of incredible, right? Uh, I mean, it's a mix. I mean, I, he's not an expert at everything and I'm not an expert at everything. Uh, he just relates to it if he can relate to it. Uh, it. It really speaks to that same mantra, which we keep talking about, which is if he doesn't know, he's not going to say anything. Like I, I, I can trust John. I can put Josh on the phone with someone that's got a billion dollar startup and is about to have this monster exit, whatever. And if Josh is like, 
this doesn't really fit into me, whatever. He's never rude, uh, but he'll exactly. just ask more questions and get it and get a sense and you know, kind of let them know like, hey, like I might not be able to help you with this specifically, but actually here's a couple people that are. And that last little turn of, I'm not just going to say no, or I'm not just going to say like F off because it doesn't appeal to me, but pivot to something that is helpful is a really like expert level varsity level thing that he does. Fair enough. How involved are you in, uh, with the uh, Mark Wahlberg production company? Are you pretty involved with that? Mod- I mean, moderately. I, I'm, I, kind of over- I kind of oversee anything where we own a piece of a business. So I understand the structure of that deal and I understand a little bit of the day to day, but it's, it's not, it's not my, this is my full-time job. And, and that is, you know, more Michael and Chris's lane, but it's, it's something we're obviously excited about. We talked a little bit about how the stigma with influencers is kind of over. That's a thing in the past, especially for animal capital. I think you've said that like, that was such a massive thing that someone like Mark Wahlberg was willing to pair up with these guys and put his reputation on the line. When that happened, did you really see, a, like, did that really, you know, create cred immediately? Do people go, oh, if Mark's working with these guys, we'll work with these guys. Did that really have that kind of impact? I mean, the, the answer is yes. Obviously, it's it, tremendously helpful all the time. I mean, that's a that's a household name for people of any age, right? I mean, that's a, you, you could get someone that's ten years old to pay attention to you, and someone that's sixty years old to pay attention to you. Like my my parents. Um, I don't know if my mom would be happy for me to t- to talk about her age on a podcast. My my mom <laughs> we'll my, mom, my mom is still twenty. My my mom is still twenty nine years old. For she's coming up on a couple anniversaries of twenty nine, but she's still twenty nine. Um, it's weird that we're the same age, but yeah, it, it's great that, sh- that, uh, that, you know, we get to work with Mark and, and, you know, it's really, that was really more about Josh looking up to Mark and the number of pivots that Mark's made. I mean, Mark, he's the OG pivot, right? I mean, Mark, the, the fashion model, Mark, the rapper, Mark, the actor, Mark, the business per- person, Mark, the workout fiend. Um, you know, that, that's really you know, the, that that's really like you know why we did that. Obviously, he's very respected in, in, in you know the, the film space, but the street cred from it, great, awesome bonus points. Um, but not I don't it's not really quarter I don't think it's really quarter why we did it. Okay, wait. So a couple rapid fire companies here that I'd love to discuss. Let me know if any of these we can't talk about. Um uh Sing, 3D audio speaker. Yeah. What, um, how'd you get excited about this company? And I, this, so this is like a, this is a speaker that you're going to put in your house and it's going to be 3d audio. There's a couple stores already. Like you can, there's one in New York. I think how, how'd you guys get involved with this? What is sing? Should people know about this? Uh, yes, people should know about it. Obviously, uh, it's going to, it's going to blow up. It, it's interesting and it'll depend on your audience, but if your audience is an audio focused artist oriented audience. Um, this is the Bang and Aloof then and the Sonos of this generation. Sonos is, I mean, Sonos, you know, kind of came to market, you know, all, almost a decade ago. I think it's about you know, seven plus years ago and hasn't necessarily innovated, right? It is now the sound bar beneath your TV and it's something that connects in your house a little bit, but also maybe you also have an Alexa and like you have these other things that, you know, maybe they connect with each other. Maybe they don't. Sing is the, ex- it's expensive, um, how much is but it? it is the end all it's like $700 uh, right uh, it is they're, they're, uh, I, I don't want to talk about their product roadmap but there will be more accessible price points um, I don't and I don't think that we would have invested if we didn't believe in that especially given who we're typically marketing to um, but it is the ultimate in home audio it is you would you put this thing in your house which I've done uh, and you turn it on 
it is aware of where the walls are. It is aware of where the, the ground is. It is measuring audio for that reason. And having one to two sing speakers in your house is completely transformative. Um, it's a really big long shot, right? Like asking people to spend that much money is really crazy. But these are the same folks that that invented and uh, designed. I don't know if you're familiar with those those Harman Kardon speakers that used to be at the Apple Store that were like like two were big of sticks, course. and then there was the big bass in the middle. These are the same people that drove hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars annually um, to those speakers in the Apple Store that were the speakers to get for Hanukkah or Christmas. Um, I think this I think this is just the next generation because we haven't seen something really change that space in a long time. I'm dying to hear one of these things. Um, they look badass. They look really cool. Um, okay, dog drop. Talk to that's me about dog fact. drop. Say that again. I said that's a fact. It, it, it's worth listening to. Um, Shana Denny, unbelievable founder. It's a retail roll-up strategy. It's the only thing that we've invested in, or really that I think we're going to invest in, that's got four walls. Um, the, you know, the, the expectation and plan for the business is you know, sort of 200 to 350 square foot locations across the U.S., um, owned by franchisors that you know allows for transient drop-offs and babysitting for your dog. Um, as people come out of COVID and they go back to work and they have these COVID puppies, uh, it's really, really hard to think about you know, doggy daycare and the, the day-to-day expense of that. This monthly subscription service is, is, a, is a plug for that. And they just got licensed for the franchise model. So we're right. I mean, we're really just the very tippy tip beginning of, of the life of that business. Very cool sound company. Okay, last one that just I think is very interesting. State Space. What is State Space? I freaking love State Space. It's a very different. It's a very different investment for us, but it's also one that really fits our portfolio and what we want to do and where we want to be. So Wayne Mackey's the founder. I think we invested in like the Series B or C, really big business already. Um, still a super high conviction investment. It's uh, a modular, almost Roblox. Um, opportunity for people that uh, are training and are Twitch streaming for others. Like, hey, this is how you get better at Mario Kart. Hey, this is how you get better at Call of Duty. Hey, this is how you get better at Fortnite. And it allows them to design modules and spaces and sort of like you think about the metaverse of how to train into that space. Um, the esports and gaming training space is one of the underground, like biggest industries that's floating around, not only in the US, but in the world. And I, I it's one where there's a bunch of sort of B2B relationships. I think we can really service that, but also it's something that, you know, that we like using in gaming and participating with. Very cool. Okay. Couple more rapid fires. Is there a company we should know about right now before it blows up? You might not be able to say you might be working with them right now, but a company that we should know about right now before they blow up. All, all of our companies are ones that you should know about before you blow up. Everyone that we've said up. on this podcast, these a, a, any really great ones in the portfolio that we've left out. Listen, I think I think that if you um, you know if, if you want to you know, poke around right now, so you know what we're super super excited about, uh, what not just raised at a one one and a half billion dollar valuation. Everybody's really talking cool about what not. To check out. It feels like uh, absolutely crushing. Grant LaFontaine, the founder, is a genius. Um, we have a couple of things coming down the pipe that everyone should be really excited about. Uh, we we just cut our biggest check into a business not ten minutes before you and I got on this podcast. And we have obviously not announced it yet, but um, what's next is bigger than I, I think is going to be even bigger than what we've already done. I, I, I'm just excited about the future. Okay, amazing. Be on the lookout. Um, what do you read every day? It's a good question. Uh, I read the information. I read my information newsletter. I read the morning brew. Um, and then I, I try to read a mix of fiction and nonfiction. Um, 
I really love fiction. I love like a good long car ride and turning on an audible. Uh, so I, I did, I did listen to all of Dune. I think it was 16 hours before the movie came out. Um, but right now I'm right now I'm reading code breakers, um, which you know, sort of speaks to the evolution of CRISPR, which is the core technology around colossal, uh, and, and has a chapter featuring George church, the lead geneticist around colossal. So it, it's a mix of things that I think that are going to keep my sort of, you know, relatively your creative side creative and um, keep me interesting for founders that I'm talking to. How do you, if you're investing in a new space that you're maybe less familiar with, you're going to trust on the experts. I'm sure there's, you know, there's people at the company that you're going to talk with, but if you're trying to become an expert in a space quickly, how do you do it? You call people that aren't the founders that have already been successful. You leverage relationships with, you know, all of this stuff is publicly available. It sounds so, it sounds so dumb, but if you don't know what something is and you, and you Google what is X, and you read the You'll first 10 it. links, you're going to be, you're going to be in a much better spot than you were before. Then there's also authors that you know are often participating in this consumer, consumer tech, metaverse, crypto space. There's folks like Matthew Ball um, that you really write in detail about some of these things. And I've been following Matthew for most of a decade um, as he's gone from equity research analyst to investor. Um, and so for, for me, it's <clears throat> continue to listen to the founders. Um, but then go go figure out who their competitors are and then take the same call with them too. And it, it'll, it'll make you better at, at what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Are you still working on your pilot? You you had a TV pilot at one point early in the quarantine, right? Are you still working on it? Uh, the pilot has made really good progress. The pilot's made really good progress. I we're at, a, we're at a point now where I can't say much more about it because there are, are more people involved in it than me, which is a good thing. Um. I'm really hoping that that is something that we can publicly share January, February. That's going to be the best feeling in the world. If you, uh, if you're uh, doing it, this, running this firm and listen, launching pilot. Zach, in all of this, I think the thing that my dad would be most surprised about is if someone gave me $1 for something that I wrote. Like if someone <laughs> handed me a, 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 a crisp $1 bill, my dad would be like, no fucking way. The, uh, I would hand you a dollar for the pilot any day, uh, sight on scene. I think it's worth more than a dollar. I would definitely put a dollar into it. Um, Marshall, have we said it all? Have we left anything out here? No, uh, I, I'm really, um, I'm really, you know, excited to have been on the pod, and I'm really excited to about what's next, and excited to do a check in with you in six months and, and talk about where we are then. We'll have to do a check in, and we'll have to. Uh, I, I I had no idea you were in New York. We'll have to get together one day in New York. Have you seen any theater? You're a big that theater guy, fantastic. right? huge theater person. Um, I have not been back post-COVID, not for any good reason. Right before COVID, I saw Jagged Little Pill with Catherine Gallagher. I mean, I thought it was a freaking renaissance. I have to say, I've been to probably 80 Broadway shows in my life. It's the only time I've ever seen a mid-show standing ovation, ever. Jagged Little Pill. Yeah, the, I mean, absolutely brought the house down. I love Jagged Little Pill. I love Moulin Rouge. I love Dear Evan Hansen. I haven't seen the movie yet. But I think Ben Platt's really, really, really talented. Six on Broadway is apparently like the next big thing. I, I just saw it this week, thing. actually. How was it? I liked it. I thought it would maybe, maybe I'll cut this out. I thought it lacked a little bit of depth. It kind of was what it was. They get up, they sing, they do their thing. It didn't really hit me emotionally. I don't know. It lacked a little bit of depth, I think. Uh, well, you should go see Jagged Little Pill then. There, there's plenty of depth there for everything. I'm looking for depth here, Marshall. It's pretty fantastic. Well, Zach, thank you for having me. Marshall, great to see you. Uh, stay well, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll follow up at some point, and uh, we'll we'll do it again. 
There you have it, Marshall Sandman on the podcast. And um, by the way, I was eating a bowl of Imi ramen today, actually. Is it Imi? I think it's Imi. I hope I'm saying it correctly, actually. Imi ramen today, really good. Check that stuff out. Actually, really good. Like, I don't know, check it out. The Zach Kuhn Show is mixed by Sam Heyman, and our theme music is by Justin Johnson. If you want more content from us, you can subscribe to our newsletter at NashvilleBriefing.com or you can follow us on socials, everything at Nashville Briefing. The Zach Kuhn Show is part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network and we're proud to be part of it. It's a great network and some great shows. They do a lot of good for us. And uh, check it out. You can actually subscribe for the American Songwriter newsletter at AmericanSongwriter.com. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, Marshall, thanks for coming on the show. Great talking. Hope we get the chance to do a follow-up. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Bye.